Welcome to Divine Truth by Dr. Buddy Walls. Today's Bible lesson is justified or justification. God declares us just as if we have never sinned according to Romans chapter 5. Let's turn to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Remember when scripture repeats something two or more times, in a short period, it is for emphasis, and it's the same way with this whole theme of the doctrine of justification. This is something you don't take lightly or gloss over and say, oh, well, I don't understand it anyway. There are a few things I think are crucial. The first one is faith, and that is simply taking God at his word. In other words, what he says is, when we believe it, this is what God is pleased with. And that's all faith is, nothing more. And then the term of justification. It's that judicial act of God where the sovereign God in all of his holiness and righteousness, the moment he sees a sinner believe the gospel, then God declares him justified. And you can find that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. Just as if he had never sinned. Now that's hard for us to comprehend. And certainly none of us feel it. Now the word feel, F-E-E-L, that's a unique word that so many people use mistakenly when it comes to our Christian experience. Well, I don't feel this and I don't feel that. Listen. The Bible never uses the word feel. We're not supposed to feel justified or forgiven. You know you are because the book says so. And that's what we have to keep hammering away at people. Don't try to figure it, out, figure it out in the human scale because it can't be done. Rather, just rest on what God has said. And the word says that when we recognize we are Indeed, a child of Adam, there's that great gulf fixed between us and the Creator. And the only way back to a fellowship with Him is by believing the gospel. That Christ died for our sins and that He was buried and that He arose from the dead. And the moment we believe that with all our heart, then God just does everything on our behalf. We receive justification. Turn with me if you would. To Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, just as if we had uh, never sinned by virtue of us taking God at his word. It says, by whom also we have access by faith. See how that is emphasized? We have access into this glorious state as a believer now in relationship with the Creator Himself. When I see the people in the world with all their activities, they think they are living it up. And even if they can live it to the fullest for a whole 70 years, what is that compared to billions upon billions and billions of years uh, that, is in that eternity will be? If only people could get the perspective 
that we're not talking about just limiting ourselves and ignoring all the pleasures of this world that we might have a few years of bliss, but rather for us, it's an eternity, forever and ever and ever. And for the world who are out there thinking that they're living it up, it's at the most for a whole lifetime of 70 years or so. But, you see, out of that 70 years, how many years can most people really live it up? 10 to 20. The whole body can't take it much longer than that. And then instead of an eternity of bliss and glory, they're facing an eternity of regret, doom, and separation from the Creator. It's so ridiculous that you wonder how people can reject it. I cannot comprehend it. I mean, if God was expecting us to cross a raging river and hope that we could make it, or if he was expecting us to climb some sheer rock cliff, as you see some of these rock climbers do, if God was putting that kind of a requirement on our salvation, then I could see people not buying it. After all, that's just too difficult. But here he's made it so e so easy. He's made it so simple, and the rewards are so great, even in this life, and yet the world just passes it by and walks it underfoot. I'll never understand it. Now, verse 2 again. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Romans chapter 5, verse 2. By whom also we have access by faith, and to this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know, that's indeed what we're looking forward to. And not only so, but with glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Now, come in, come in at verse 6, and let's begin our study today. For when we were yet without strength, the Bible says, remember how the nation of Israel stood there on the shore of the Red Sea with the Egyptian armies behind them ready to destroy them? Mountains on the right, no possibility of going to the left. So they are locked in, and they are without strength. And they knew not what to do. And instead of trying to hurry up and build bridges or find boats and rafts, what did God tell them to do? Stand still and wait for the power of God. And of course, they didn't have to wait very long because he opened up the Red Sea, and Israel went through on dry ground. You all know the account. That's exactly where we find ourselves before we had salvation. We too were without strength. We were without hope and helpless. And there was nothing we could do. And then God just opens up the way of grace through his grace. Verse 6 again. Look at Romans chapter 5 verse 6. Romans chapter 5 verse 6. For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for us 
died for the ungodly. Remember chapter 4, what kind of people were we? Ungodly. Now the word ungodly does not mean necessarily that they uh, have to be on skid row and it doesn't always mean that they have to uh, come to the end of themselves because uh, the little letters UN un simply means what? Without. So these people are without God. Though they may be good people, they may be the very best of society, they may be the very best of church members, but if they have never experienced God's saving grace, they're ungodly because they're without God in their lives. Do you see that? And so let's be careful about the terminology. Always remember, God saves the down and out, but he also saves the up and out and everything in between. So in due time, then Christ died for those that were without. That was that was without God. Now a verse just comes to mind that we need to look at in Second Corinthians chapter four. Second Corinthians chapter four, and this again says it all. And for those of us who have uh, who try to enlighten the unbeliever, those who are going their merry way to a Christless eternity, we sometimes wonder why we can't get through to these people. Look at Second Corinthians chapter four verse three. Second Corinthians chapter four verse three. The believer understands what the gospel is all about. It's what's got him where he is. But for the lost masses of humanity, they really don't know the situation that they're in. They don't really understand why they are um, what they are. But you see, the Bible makes it so plain. Now, who's hiding the gospel from the lost? A lot of time I preach to you that God hides things away from the human race, and that was his prerogative, as we've seen so often from Luke 18. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Luke chapter 18, verse 31. Then he took and to him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles and shall be mocked and spitefully entreated and spitted on, and they shall scourge him and put him to death. And the third day he shall rise again. And they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. God did that for a purpose in those verses. But we're, but now we're dealing with the other side of the coin. Look at verse 3 and 4 again in Second Corinthians. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the Bible says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom 
in other words, the loss of this world, in whom the God of this world has blinded the mind of them which believe not. You see, Satan has blinders on them, and you, and you and I can't um, take them off. That takes an act of God. Satan has so blinded the unbelieving world. The Bible says, Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Now, doesn't that say it all? This is why we have such a hard time trying to convince the masses of their needs. They are blinded of the God of this world, and I don't have to tell you who that is. That's the old devil himself, and unless God somehow strips away the blindness, that even you and I are helpless. In that same light, turn to Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 16. And this, again, is what every one of us, as we try to deal with people, have to understand. Yes, we have to do our part. We have to open the scriptures. But we cannot stuff it down their throat. We can't force them to believe. We can't force them to believe it. That's going to take an act of God himself. Here in the Acts chapter 16, Paul and Barnabas, are now in the Greek city of Philippi up in northern Greece. They had just begun their work on the continent of Europe. And as they went out to a little place where evidently some Jews were permitted to worship since they didn't have a synagogue in Philippi, they come to this little park along the river and some Jewish women were there who believed in God. And they were as lost as lost can be. Look at Acts chapter 16, verse 14. Acts chapter 16, verse 14. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God. In other words, she believed in God. She was religious, but she was still lost. The Bible says, heard us, whose heart the Lord opened. Now, we must never lose sight of who opens the heart. Now, we must do our part, but God has to open that spiritual heart. He has to open that understanding that they can believe the gospel. And the Bible says that she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. God used the human instrument, Paul, but he had to open her spiritual heart and eyes. Now back to Romans chapter 5. Remember the last word of verse 6 was ungodly. Romans chapter 5 verse 7. Romans 5 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Now that makes sense, don't it? Why should Christ die for a world of people who, didn't, who did not need salvation? It would have been ridiculous to the extreme. Even Christ uh, used an an example when he said that the well didn't need a doctor but rather the sick and it's the same way here he wouldn't have had to die if the world was righteous but the world was not was it the bible says yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die now i'd love i love this next verse I think I've known it since I was a kid. Look at Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God. 
you know I'm uh, always pointing out the three letter word but B-U-T here's another good example for righteous men there would be no need but for Christ to die even if people were good it wouldn't be quite so mandatory but God commended his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us I've had people in the soul winning booth say I'm not that bad I've never really sinned or did anything immoral I've never stolen from anybody so we had to go all the way back to Genesis and show the person that, I, that it all began with Adam and many people need that so he's not that unique there are a host of people that do not understand that we're not centered because we break God's laws, but rather we break God's law because we're sinners. And that began with Adam. He had been in church the Sunday before, but he had never heard this. So this is why we have to show people that they're unrighteous and ungodly, not because of what... Uh, their doing or their lifestyle but because God had decreed every child of Adam as a sinner now we can have we can have good sinners yet sinners dry sinners but we are all sinners until we recognize it and are saved, of course, by believing the gospel. Look at verse 8 again. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Remember uh, that Paul writes to believers. So he is writing to you and I who have become believers of this gospel, telling us again what God did on our behalf. Remember, we too were at one time sinners. We're sons and daughters of Adam just as well as everybody else. And while we were in that sinful state, God has already taken the pain to go to the cross to purchase mankind, mankind's salvation. You know, I love to teach this book, and I love to teach the beginning back in Genesis, and I love teaching the endings in Revelation, but it's kind of hard to get people to zero in on where we are in the book of Romans. How many times have you heard people say, well, when I can clean up my life and quit this bad habit, then I'll become a Christian. But listen, that is not the way it's done. You become a believer, and then God helps you quit the problem. But most people can't see it that way. But this verse explains it so plain. Look at Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8. Romans chapter 5, beginning in verse 8, it says, While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's exactly where God finds us. Now, Go into verse 9. Much more than being now justified by his blood. In other words, through faith in his blood. I remember hearing years ago, 
and he made a statement one morning that I never forgot. He said that according to our physical chemistry, if you were to place something into a little basin of blood, it's going to come out blood red or at least a dark shade of brown. But in God's chemistry, when something is placed in the blood of Christ, it comes out as white as new fallen snow. Now, that's God's chemistry. And this is what we must understand. We think, how can how can we be washed in the blood and come out white? white? Well, in the physical, it cannot be done. But in the spiritual realm, in God's chemistry, the red in the blood of Christ makes us white as snow. Look at this, this verse again in Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Romans chapter 5, verse 9. Much more than being now justified, in other words, declared by a judicial act of God, we are now just as if we had never sinned. Now think about that for a moment. Just as if we had never sinned. In other words, where does that place us? All the way back to when? To Adam before he fell. You see, God sees us as Adam was before he ever fell. Because this is the whole theme of this book from cover to cover. That God wants to reconcile the human being back to what he was. Adam before sin entered in. And now as born again believers justified and placed securely in Christ. We can never fall as Adam did. And you see this is exactly what God can do when we believe the gospel. He can declare us as if we had never sinned. Now, I think psychologically, psychology comes in here, and I have nothing against psychology if it's used correctly. However, some of it can be abused. But psychology, psychologically speaking, if you were to tell a young man coming up out of high school years, where well, you're... Never going to amount to anything. You'll never be anything but a drunk and probably end up in prison. I can just about guarantee that he will end up just exactly that because he is psychologically programmed to believe that everybody expects him to be a drunk and a reformed school dropout. But on the other hand, if we encourage a young person, now you can be this and you can do that and you can be the glory of God in person, then he'll quite likely be that. Now bring this into this same uh, psychological mind, mindset that if I constantly remind myself and my wife and I help each other to remember throughout the day and week that in God's eyes we are just as if we had never sinned psychologically, what's that going to help us do? To be just that. Listen, if I am a justified person, then I had better live accordingly because this is the way I've been divinely planned to operate. But you see, the lost person doesn't have that going for him. And so he'll say, well, everybody else is doing it. Why shouldn't I? And so they find themselves in broken homes, in prison, and in all sorts of problems simply because they won't take God at his word. Now I want to finish up this uh, 
podcast was something uh, that I always do. And I want you to know above all things that God loves you and God has a plan for you. And that people are sinful and they're separated from God. And I want to ask you a question. Have you recognized that you are a sinner also? Would you like to receive forgiveness for, uh, for your sins? You know, we cannot earn salvation. We are saved by God's grace when we have faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. All you have to do is believe you are a sinner. That Christ died for your sins and asked for His forgiveness. Then turn from your sins. That's called repentance. Jesus Christ knows you and He loves you. What matters to Him is the attitude in your heart, your honesty. We suggest praying the following prayer to accept Christ as your Savior. Say, Dear God, I know I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son. I believe that He died for my sin and that you raised Him to life. I want to trust Him as my Savior and follow Him as Lord from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now I want to ask you something. Did you pray this prayer? If you did, guess what? You are saved, or what the Bible calls born again. And you can have an eternity in heaven. I hope you enjoyed this. Dr. Buddy, signing off.